Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. So, welcome everybody to Let Me Introduce You. We are a podcast where three friends who met in film school almost 20 years ago, we have a bunch in common, except, of course, the movies that we watch and enjoy and like. So, in the true spirit of friendship, each week we introduce a movie that at least one of us has not seen. We'll break it down, talk about why that movie is important to us, why we like it, why we chose to talk about it, and it's all within a specific theme. So, before I get into the theme, let me introduce the most wonderful co-hosts and myself. My name is Katie. Hi. My name is Graham. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so formal, I love it. Hi, I'm Ashley, and I consider Katie and Graham best friends. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I can just be friends to you. Oh, yeah, I, yes. yes. Microflex. Microflex. Yeah. Mm. I never say, I always forget the best friends part. Yeah, we know It's because we're best friends in your heart, and you don't need it, to demonstrate it. 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 It's, it's, it's just natural. It's just assumed. Mm. I know. I know you talk about other best friends, but I choose to ignore that they exist. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so this week our theme is let's get musical. Musical. Uh, musical. Musical. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting a brand new theme and we're starting off with a bang because we have a special treat for you guys. We are very pleased to bring some special guests into <gasps> this theme to launch it off. And what better special guests than a podcast focused all about music, specifically the music of Mr. Jack White. We are talking about the hosts of the Third Man podcast, the Brothers Kaminsky, Paul and James. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hi. Hello. How's it, how's it going? Wow, your name sounds like a novel, The Brothers Kaminsky. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did write a lot of children's stories involving a lot of gore in Germany in the 1800s. Oh, well, wow, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul and I work together. That's how we know each other. We've, we've known each other for a while. Paul is one of my favorite individuals on the planet and someone who shares the love of uber nerdery like I do. That's right. And Chipotle. Paul and James, why don't you guys talk uh, a bit about what your podcast is? Well, uh, And introduce the movie that we're talking about today. Well, Katie, thank you for that lovely introduction. I reciprocate your f- favorite humanities toward me. One of the things I deeply miss about quarantine is that Katie and I used to go out on lunch breaks and purchase oddly flavored coffee creamers and just make that a whole afternoon. And now I don't know what else <laughs> That's to do true. with my time. It's not as much fun when you do it in your own home. If I'm not cramming a peep into my coffee mug, mug what am I even doing? <laughs> That's I a can't great have idea. a cinnamon toast crunch <laughs> one. What am cinnamon I toast doing? crunch. Oh, oh, girl. But yeah, so I miss that. But anyway, I miss that too. Here I am, here, on the internet. (laughs) This is my first time podcasting. (laughs) So James and I host a show called The Third Man Podcast, and it's a uh, Jack White Third Man Records history program that we started making about, oh God, five years ago? Five years ago. Six, almost six. And we did this because we listened to a lot of music podcasts about specific bands, and we realized nobody was doing that about the, the Third Man Records world. And, you know, we understand Jack white can be a divisive figure for some it's he's one of those love him or hate him kind of guys but i think one of the things 
that really attracted James and I to his music is that he, in a lot of ways, carries the torch from the classic rock kind of artists that we love into a modern sort of sensibility. So your Led Zeppelins, your Rolling Stones, things like that. And so you can really draw kind of a nice, neat line from those artists up through, you know, even artists like Pearl Jam in the 90s to what the White Stripes did in the 2000s and his projects and beyond. So we'd been fans since, what, 2001 or so. And yeah. Yeah, and when I moved to LA, I could no longer talk to James about new album releases. No, nah, I refused his phone stuff. calls. Yeah, he'd, <laughs> Smart. It, was, it was cold. Yeah. It was a cold <laughs> thing that you did, especially because we were related. <laughs> <laughs> but so what we did was well, we decided, well, just we'll make a we'll make a thing out of it. We'll make a, we'll make a show out of it. Then he has to talk to me yeah. if we have a set time and recording and there'll be evidence that these uh, conversations occurred. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's court ordered that the, they be recorded. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, there's the courts. We haven't, I forgot to mention the courts. <laughs> I was going to say, nobody can shut you out like a sibling. So this was yeah. well done. Well done. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So anyway, over the past few years, we've been just sort of feeling our way through the process and learning. And over the course of time, Third Man Records, we've been thankful, did not sue us or issue us a cease and desist, but instead kind of embraced what we did and has been really cool about it. And we've had a lot of Third Man Records artists on the show. And we know Jack has listened to the program a few times and uh, has offered some... Some interesting feedback. <laughs> as long as it's not like a cease and desist, no, I think you're good. No, they like it because what they like is people talking about what they do. And so James and I are just very enthusiastic about music and about the releases. Because Third Man, if you don't know, the people at home don't know, the record label puts out not just Jack White Third Man record stuff, but just zillions of people, including one of the people we're going to talk about today, John C. Riley, has released a couple records on Third Man. But the stable of artists in that group really is, I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of a nice little curated musical collective they've got going on there in Nashville and uh, in Detroit. So anyway, that's our show, Third Man. I also do a couple other shows. I do a show called Now Hear This, which is a sort of a broader music podcast. We produce a show for our father called Yesterday and Today. That's a Beatles show, a Beatle history show. And Who we'll also talk about today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I produce the Lucy and Annabelle show, which is hosted by Lucy Walsh and Annabelle Jones, who talk about what it's like being the offspring of famous musicians and what that does to a kid's head and how you grow up within that and become an artist in your own right. And so it's weird, you know, podcasting started as just an excuse for me to get drunk with James on the internet. <laughs> And it's grown into a lovely pastime that we just wow. uh, continue to enjoy to this day. So anyway, that's the bibliog- uh, bibliography. That, yeah, it's kind of a bibliography. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd say we're excited. Content, if you James, <laughs> James, what did I miss? Did I miss anything? What did I miss? Um, mm, did, uh, you mentioned Third Man Records. We do that. We talked about the quarters, quarters right? We got the quarters. Yeah. yeah, we talked about the quarts. No, that's Taylor about Ham. it. No, yeah. Um, did we but talk the, about how the Pine Barrens are bullshit? Did we? Yeah, no, the, no one likes the Pineys. <laughs> yeah. as, as we like. It's the New Jersey fight. I will take you down. <laughs> it's not even the Pine Barrens. We're just, we're just big hicks. Anyway, oh. very happy you guys could join us. And for our Let's Get Musical theme, they decided to introduce a movie to us. I think I, I was the only one who had seen it. Graham, Ashley, have you guys seen this no, movie No, this before? is my first time. Oh. No, I had not. But when I, I mean, told Bob about it, he was like, 
Oh, I'm not going to watch that with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's like I've seen it, it, and once yeah. is enough. <laughs> we have very few options here because Jack White has not done much in terms of filmography. The other option was Cold Mountain, and mm-hmm. I said, "Katie, we can't, we can't do it. I can't, yeah. I can't sit through that again." <laughs> now there was also Coffee and Cigarettes. He was in that one, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Which uh, again is probably not the thing you guys want to sit down and watch. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, and and it's very funny. Yeah. yeah. There's one where he's like eight years old. It's a movie called The Rosary Murders, and <laughs> he plays a choir boy. This is true, uh, yeah. and. Who's who's the star? It's like it's the twenty four man's the alcoholic's father. Oh, Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Why didn't we watch that? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna seek that, that out. Sounds, sounds great. <laughs> it's pretty. Doesn't wild. fit into our theme, Ashley. Yeah. Of musical. I mean, Jack musical White film. Jack White yeah. has just as much screen time in that movie as yeah. he does in this one, so it really does. Kind <laughs> of right. I do. I do. I do want to shout out. He was in one episode of the new Muppets show that came out True. a couple yes. years ago. Yeah. yeah. He has yeah. a great the line where he, where he turns to Kermit and he goes, "Kermit, you can drive." It's amazing. I just, can do everything. It cracks me up every single time because you like you think about the logistics of Kermit driving. Anyway, uh, and Paul and I did try. Uh, we have a a recurring theme of an episode on our show where we do Jack White uh, in movies and TV, and that was exhausted real quick. So you're you're definitely right. Yeah. There's there's very slim yep. pickings. Yep. Uh, he shows Which up as, a, like, as like a. That's right. <laughs> he shows up as a angelic figure in Portlandia once too I think yeah no uh, words are spoken episode. he yeah. doesn't say a thing he just shows up <laughs> but anyway. so odd but so what are we what are we talking about today then oh yeah god we're talking about <laughs> 2007's uh, Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story which stars uh, John C. Riley mainly and uh, Pam as not Pam and uh, Jenna Fisher sorry mm-hmm. and yeah this is a so I had only seen this a handful of times, but it's a rockumentary spoof that I think bombed, unless that's spoiling something somebody's going to say later. <laughs> yeah, Graham, yeah, would you please give us the box office? Yeah, so this film opened December 21st, 2007. It opened the same weekend as National Treasure, Book of Secrets, Charlie Wilson's War, Sweeney Todd, and P.S. I Love You, which I'm sure Katie has seen and adored because it's a romantic <laughs> comedy. Yeah, totally. It, You're right. <laughs> It bombed. It made $4.2 million its opening weekend and was Ooh. out of theaters in five weeks. Ooh. And it only wow. made $18.3 million. It's a pretty narrow window of, I don't know. It's a narrow. I think it's funny, but it is very, it's funny to like a, 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 a very interesting and small cross section of different types of people, I think. Yeah, it was also marketed really like it was hard to market this movie to people because a lot of folks didn't realize it would be a comedy. A lot of people thought it would be an actual biopic. And I don't know. Well, Walk the Line came out only two years before. So I'm sure people were like, yes, please more and not realizing, oh, this is a parody. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's a weird time for a film like a parody film to open at the box office like people aren't really rushing to see that they're probably going to see as that that time period seeing national you know treasure book of secrets and i am legend and all that comedies are also notoriously uh, like bad um sellers at least in the modern markets you know it's kind of hard to to get people to go see them would you guys please do the honor of giving us a synopsis of walk hard the dewey cox story (laughs) well if you don't mind, Katie, I would like to just say at the top here, 
<laughs> the thing that surprised me the most when watching this again was paying attention to who wrote it and who directed <laughs> it. Because, yeah, it's a Judd Apatow movie. I had right. no idea. I No idea. And directed and co-written by Jake Kasdan, son of the Empire Strikes Backman. Uh, the guy that, that co-wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return yeah, of the Lawrence Jedi Kasdan. and some of those Disney yeah. ones. So I was like, oh my god, they did this? Wild. But anyway, as you all mentioned, this was a almost a direct spoof of Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic that was just... I don't know. That was hugely popular a couple of years prior. That was Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. I yeah. want to say she got the Oscar for it. She, she went. Oscar. She got the Oscar. Yeah, and it's wow. yeah. It, it was it was part of like this wave of Johnny Cash interest because it was right after he died and Hurt had just that was a big single from Johnny. He was covering Nine Inch Nails and stuff, and so there was a bit of capitalizing on that wave of interest in Johnny Cash at that time. So anyway, <laughs> what is Judd Apatow and the son of the Ewok guy do <laughs> they do a they do an almost direct parody movie and just decide to make fun of the history of rock and roll so what you do is you see the character of Dewey Cox who slices his brother in half with a machete and halves him at the beginning of the film and, and has internalized that and that's his like big character arc and struggle and he winds up getting into a machete fight with his dad later in the movie and smell blindness don't forget the smell blindness. Smell blindness. Yeah, smell blindness. <laughs> that is important. Smell blindness. Yeah. <laughs> but it tracks Dewey's journey much in the same way of Johnny Cash's journey and goes through all the rock and roll tropes. So you have the drugs, which is, by the way, probably the best part of the film because Tim Meadows. The, <laughs> in, Tim Meadows? The incomparable All-star. Tim All-star. Meadows. You yes. don't want any part of this shit, Dewey. And when he's describing the marijuana, you know, and, she, and he's like, well, is it addictive? He's like, no, nah, it's one of the few that isn't. She's like, well, what does it make you do? It just makes you feel great. Well, that sounds expensive. <laughs> it's the cheapest drug there is. It's really, really funny. So you get the drug aspect and you get him tripping off. And then they, they take some liberties with the Johnny Cash story and they have him sort of deviate and go to India with the Maharishi and the Beatles. And you have him become an acid casualty a la Brian Wilson and I think at one point they make reference to him actually like associating with Charles Manson, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. At the party at his house. At or the something. party at his house, yeah. <laughs> it's Berkeley then, in the 60s, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, Charlie was around. I mean, there's not really a plot to speak of. It just follows his tr- fake trajectory and uh, mm-hmm. rallying around this song, this fake song, I guess, written for the film called Walk Hard, uh, which is, again, directly parodying Walk the Line. And... Yeah, he winds up learning the lesson that family is more important than drugs and giraffes and stuff. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Yes. (laughs) Was that Drugs and giraffes. That that was good. I mean, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. You did it. I was winging it. I mean, the... There is the whole mix-up with with Jenna Fisher and you know his wife and him kind of choosing between those love interests and whatnot. But no, I mean the chimp plays more of an important role than that. I think so. It's 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 good. I I mean it's a it's a definitely a comedy for sake of jokes and not plot, which I'm okay with. I'm 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 a sucker for those types of things. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I do love how they do deal with historic characters. 
and just saying their names over and over and over again. The Beatles once. Hey, Buddy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Big Bopper. I, I just love John Lennon turning to Paul McCartney and going, hey, Paul McCartney, shut yeah. up. Yeah. It's, it's very, very funny. Paul McCartney played by Jack Black. Oh, so good. Who, like, like, they make the other three look kind of similar to the Beatles, and then it's just like Jack Black looking like Jack Black. Yeah. Paul, well, Paul Rudd plays John Lennon and does an exceptionally good job yeah. at it, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. He overdoes the voice, which I, I think is perfect because he, he's yeah. definitely making fun of it, but also doing it so good that it's wrong. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Yeah, I like Justin Long's George Harrison a lot. I was like, that it seems like perfect. Yeah, the, his, the first line out of his mouth, I think, was something about him mumbling, just trying to get songs on the albums. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. It was, just, it was clearly written by, you know, rock and roll fans. I think almost exclusively for rock and roll fans just like they're not in jokes because it's pop culture like people know this stuff but it is like for for music nerds and things like these are the those are there are a lot of targeted jokes let's let's say narrow poles but yeah i do kind of want to ask since this was ashley and graham's first time graham why don't we start with you what did you think of the movie I'm a huge John C. Riley fan, and this I, I love him and so much. My first experience with him was in Boogie Nights, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. So I was always curious about this this one. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for it. I mean the Golden Globes are trash, but I think with any parody film, they are always like fifteen minutes too long, I think. And they kind of run out of steam towards the end. My interest was was held was held pretty much throughout it because of, of some of the jokes that we mentioned, like the Tim Meadows drug jokes, yeah. and I loved the through line with how many kids he ends up having, <laughs> with especially with Kristen Wiig, because yeah. they all end up just like being like she keeps having babies that just don't age. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun to see all these different cameos as well. I thought I thought some of the songs slapped. I really enjoyed yeah. them, but yeah, I, I think. Yeah, this is a very, this is a movie made for kind of, as we mentioned, like a very small group of people. And it makes sense to me why it, it didn't do well financially. But yeah, I think it was pretty solid. Ashley? I am a person who this film was not made for. <laughs> so I'm like watching it and I'm not thinking about how it's like, you know, mockumentary, parody, whatever else. And I'm just like, is this are they, is this serious? No, and I was like, (laughs) there are points where I was like, this feels like a lot of racism. And then later I was like, oh, that's the point. You're like trying to point it out. You know, like I was taking the wrong entry point, which what did that also happen with? Well, when we watched Dead Alive, like I took it too seriously and I wasn't just like, oh, it's gonna be absurd. Let's just have some fun. But yeah, I was just like, oh God, some of these jokes, they're just so, they're so heavy handed. And instead of just, letting go I was like I don't know but the music was actually pretty good I enjoyed that and then I just as I kept watching it I like appreciate I started to appreciate or acknowledge the absurdity because some of it was just ridiculous but like yeah John C. Riley is just great like that man can do almost no wrong I think the opening 10 minutes are are probably the best part of the movie with (laughs) yeah his brother it. getting the, his brother. His nothing, brother. I, nothing possibly bad could happen today. Nothing terrible I, could happen I, today. And then you know, I got to shout out Margaret Martindale, who I love, and she has a fantastic line when they fast forward a couple years, and 
John C. Riley is full grown, but she's like, there's my beautiful 14 year old boy. (laughs) That was one of my favorite things. I do appreciate how it was a man in his 40s pretending to be all these ages. And then he's like, like a year, he's like, I am, I think I am doing well for a 15 year old with a wife and a child. And then Chris Wiggs like, I'm a 12 year old girlfriend. (laughs) So, so Ashley, to your point, I thought some of the jokes aged better than others. Most of them I thought were like, especially like the Jewish jokes. It's clear that that was like a wink and a nod and like pointing out the absurdity of saying that, you know, Jewish people run Hollywood and stuff. But then there's some that's like like the little people jokes where I was just like, yeah, yeah, that didn't age well, did it? That's just kind of mean, isn't it? Right there. Yeah. I had to remind myself. I was like, wait, when was this made? So like, what was the context in which it was made? And like, what else is it playing off of? Because trying to place it in a 2021 context, you're just like, ah, there's a lot's happened in the last 14 years, but, and like, yeah, like Apatow was just, I mean, that was the, to me, like such a huge crest, you know, like yes. Knocked Up had come out in 2007 and yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, that was the one year I lived in LA, you know, and so trying to think about like what was going on at the time, but it's just, so, you know, you know, it's funny about Apatow. Cause I, again, didn't realize he directed this either. I've seen, John C. Riley and Ed Helms, who was also in this movie, play bluegrass at the Largo in Los Angeles. And I don't remember like the headliner of who I was there to see because they play in this they played in this side room bar that's like on the you know, in the back while you're waiting to go into the show. And I wanna say it was like one of the Judd Apatow like comedy group special things. And yeah, John C. Riley was there playing bluegrass with Ed Helms and it was awesome. They did an amazing, amazing job. So yeah. I was like, oh, that might be kind of fun if if that's the right memory. But That's how you know it's L.A. that they weren't headlining. Like, if that had come <laughs> to Minneapolis, they would be the headliners. No. They're, like, literally playing, like, on the street. Like, hey, you guys yeah. want to listen to us? <laughs> you know. We were talking a little last night, Katie, and you, you had mentioned that. I actually saw him coming into our office building one day. Like, Microflex, right? No big deal. No big deal. You've got to flex I've it. Seen yeah. him, you know. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what struck me as funny is, he, and we'll talk about the singles in a minute, but he has this hat. Like, outside of movies, John C. Riley is always wearing this hat. I can't explain the hat. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who gave it to him. I don't know why he thinks he looks good in it, but he wears it everywhere. What kind of hat is it? It's like a white sort of brim thing. It's sort of like a, one of those barbershop quartet hats a little. You know what I'm talking <laughs> like about? Like a boater? He looks like he's about to buy, like, a paper in the 1920s from a newsboy on the street, oh. you know? <laughs> so anyway, he was wearing the fucking hat. I was like, oh, my God. And the person who I was with, he was like, what? I'm like, he's wearing the hat. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no one understands me. <laughs> but, um, Paul yeah. then proceeded to quote Jaws a bunch of times with that hat, Harry, and, and no one understood it. <laughs> anyway, he has a hat is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> That was your yeah. story. That was the old story. Hat. It was a great story. That's why it's a microflex. <laughs> he said it was a microflex, I James. <laughs> I have a hat. He's never talked about that. <laughs> Sibling memory. Anyway. Well, anyway. Okay, so John C. Riley has a connection to Jack White. So maybe, James and Paul, you guys can talk a little bit about maybe about the how Jack got involved, his connections to John C. Riley, because I know they've made some records together. Yeah, well, 
it's funny the connection between Jack and John C. Riley is one of those snake eats its own tail things because it's all and Ouroboros. You know, yes, so because it's all interconnected, and actually John C. Riley's sort of music career him putting out records is a result of this movie, which is a result of anyway. So what happened was John C. Riley was in that movie Chicago, based on the, the musical, and he had that very memorable Mr. Cellophane scene. And so Jack was dating Renee Zellweger, who he met on the set of Cold Mountain. And Renee Zellweger, also in Chicago. So Jack performed live with the White Stripes, Mr. Cellophane. And John C. Riley got word of this, and that got them sort of talking. And they became friends a bit. And a couple years go by, and this movie's getting developed. And John C. Riley suggests Jack be involved in the film because they had been talking a bit through that Mr. Cellophane Chicago Renee Zellweger connection thing, which I thought was really funny because I didn't actually know how they met. I just knew that they were connected later on. So that was something I learned in the research here. But I had no idea that he dated Renee Zellweger for like a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they was, it was, Yeah, it put Jack on the cover of like. TMZ and People magazine yeah. for a while. I'm sure. I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> well, he looked like he was so like like white as a sheet compared to everybody else he was around. He was just it was a weird thing. He looked. He made it seem like he was gothic, even though he's not a like a goth. But his yeah. his darker appearance than uh, the Hollywood superstars he was hanging around wow. it was just it was very funny. But next to Renee Zellweger, he looked tan, you know. So they're very, they're oh, walking yeah. around just a couple of ghosts, just yes. walking together. And he's also like 9,000 feet tall, too, and she's, a, she's sort of short. So that was another, int- anyway, I digress. So John C. Riley calls him up, casts him in the film. So John C. Riley actually casts Jack in the movie, again, from that friendship. And this was cool. So I was watching the DVD commentary, and Kasdan is talking, and he says... Because I because I watched this on DVD like a fucking maniac. wow. Uh, <laughs> that's like that's next level nerd. We really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, oh, thanks. that's a good niche flex. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so the DVD commentary, Kazan says Jack White came and was just very cool and easy to work with. You expect to be intimidated because he's one of the coolest people in the world. John C. Riley interrupts. It's also his real hair. Jack Kasdan then continues, or Jake then continues, and I remember when Jack showed up thinking we suddenly had credibility that we did not have. It was good. He was great in the scene, and he could not have been looser. He could not have been funnier. Uh, John C. Riley interjects again. This country gibberish thing was so insane. Most trained actors would balk at doing an entire scene in gibberish, but Jack was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and then uh, Jake continues afterwards when you think about the White Stripes music that I love then you think yeah of course I hear a brain in those songs that could be this insane improvising for seven hours so that's funny because yeah Jack is kind of a decent actor kind of can sell it you know I, I wanted more of him in this I thought he was great yeah especially because he looks nothing like Elvis yeah. but yeah. He, no. like, I believed yeah. it I believed yeah. it so yeah so he came on he did this gibberish and it's funny he has talked about acting before in the past and said like it's weird it's it's like you have to project so much and when you think you're being over dramatic or over projecting it's actually you're you're projecting the right amount because the screen has to capture it and he has talked about how that has been an interesting exercise over the years and when we had uh, his uh, his ex-wife Karen Nelson we talked to her and she said that it's something he really enjoys doing but he's a little like it just something about 
getting movies together just never quite happened because he's so damn busy all the time with all of the different stuff that he does. But yeah, so anyway, they met through that. And then he was in Walk Hard. Some great karate going on in there from yeah. Jack in here yeah, as well, which is awesome. So, good. so this is an excerpt from an interview with John C. Riley. I found. He says, we're both from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago. He's from Detroit. And we both were raised Catholic in big families, like a lot of the same music, and we became friends, Riley recalls. Then I realized, wow, Jack's got this whole record label. Wouldn't it be cool to go there and record 45s? So I pitched him the idea of recording, and he's like, yeah, come down. This weekend, next weekend, it was that easy. I just went down there with Becky and Tom and recorded a whole bunch of songs and picked two for each record. Jack's been really incredibly supportive. He let us play South by Southwest at the Third Man Showcase. And it's a really, really cool company. Jack's the Willy Wonka of rock and roll. It's just an amazing, <laughs> creative world. He kind of looks there. like, yeah. 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 <laughs> that is such an accurate descriptor. Yeah. He does so many things. I'm like, I'm like, he produces, he acts, he writes, he does like all these different genres of songs. Also, I, I had found a quote from the phone call that happened when, when John C. Riley uh, cast Jack. He... Jack asked if it was for cable or something, and John's like, no, it's one of the biggest films this company is going to put out this year. <laughs> so that's pretty cable great. Or something. All right, because John C. Riley was doing a lot of yeah, Tim and Eric, yeah. right? Yeah, because I kept I kept getting a couple of like Tim and Eric jokes, and I was just like, oh, man, this is really funny. Maybe that's why I thought it was for cable. <laughs> but yeah, he, he put out some single... Uh, well, he put out a single, at least, with Jack on Third Man. It was from his band of artists that he has that he kind of travels around with john and friends i think he, he put it under but the the songs they picked for the single were i'll be there if you ever want which he teamed up with lavender diamonds becky stark and it was a uh, seven inch single that was released in 2011 on third man and it was uh, backed with i'm making plans and jack white plays steel drums uh or no, no, no. sorry he plays drums <laughs> Sorry, I had steel drums in my head. That would be amazing. I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of Paul McCartney Sea Moon there too much. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Olivia Jean is on bass there. Dean Fertitta is on piano, and Fats Kaplan on pedal steel. All people who are kind of in the third man roster, you see them touring with Jack White and stuff. So cool to have them. Uh, Jack produced the single, and uh, it was mixed by Jack and Vance Powell, with assistance by Joshua V. Smith. And then the uh, the photos were taken by Joe McCaw... Oh, Paul, how did we pronounce this? How did we figure this I one out? I don't remember. Joe McCaffey? <laughs> Mc, Mc, yeah. McCaffey? It's fine. McCaffey. We don't have yeah. to. Yeah, but fine. she took the photos. That's uh, Little Jack's wife, Little Jack Lawrence, who is uh, in, in some of Jack's other bands. Uh, he's in The Dead Weather, and he's in a band called The Greenhorns. And then there's the single, Gonna Lay, Ma- Lay Down My Old Guitar, which is also in 2011. And John C. Riley teamed up with John Brousseau, who... Tom. You, Tom. Tom, sorry. Uh, Tom Sorry, I'm like, <laughs> he's like, um, get it right. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, How but, dare uh, Paul's you, mustache James? Is just really, <laughs> yes. it's, it's really brought me for a loop. I haven't seen it yet, so. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you might know him from uh, Old Crow Medicine Show. I think he's he's a part of that. It was under the name John and Tom, and they were covering some blues classics. Uh, Going to lay down my old guitar and Lonesome Yodel Blues Number Two. Um, what no? What happened to Number One? I know. I'll never know. Don't know. But uh, Jack produced this session again and plays drums. Not steel drums, just regular drums, bass, organ, and assorted percussion on the A side. Uh, so, yeah, those those singles were released in Third Man. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, they did some live collaborations as well. I know um, there was a particular uh, show in 2012 in which uh, Jack and John were both playing. So- like, they both had shows booked 
simultaneously in Vancouver. And uh, John had a fun quote uh, that uh, he says, we tried to combine the shows and, and we, <laughs> we tried to do them in the same venue and it just didn't work out. So what I'm saying is if you can't get tickets to Jack White, please come see John C. Riley. <laughs> it won't be the same, <laughs> but it's also very good. Can't j- guarantee Jack will be at the show. Uh, in fact, there's a high percentage that he won't, but I'll tell you, you uh, I'll tell a great Jack White story at my concert. So that's pretty funny. But yeah, during the Lazaretto tour uh, for the finale of, of the uh, L.A. show on June 12th, uh, he brought John C. Riley and Conan O'Brien both on stage to play Goodnight Irene with him, uh, which is their usual finale song um, for during that tour. Um, but cool to see both of them up on stage. Conan O'Brien, another kind of uh, constant uh, comedian friend of Jack's, uh, longtime comedian friend of Jack's. That's really funny. I, that's a interesting. Yeah. it's pairing. <laughs> it's weird, and they're both they're both very tall people, so they, they <laughs> kind of tower amongst everybody else. But you can you can see their tall connections like together far yeah. far back. Like uh, I know Conan O'Brien stars in in a very early music video um, with them and with the White Stripes. So neat stuff. I had no idea. I had, yeah, I had no idea he was such a musician. I thought it was just like for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's talented. <laughs> he was an early proponent of the White Stripes and had them on his show a bunch. And they were, I guess they became friends, but they also felt like, hey, he really gave us a national platform mm. early Conan, on. Conan, that is. Yeah. Conan. Yeah. Uh, but with in regards to John and music, uh, he, he actually is, uh, I found another quote from him uh, when he's saying, like, people came to the Third Man show and were shouting, shake and bake, which is a quote from uh, Talladega Nights. <laughs> And he's, he said as soon as he started playing, they didn't know what to say because they weren't expecting uh, the music he was he was kind of putting out there, which is just traditional blues music. Kind of like people who go to see Steve Martin's blues band. And, yeah. Like, yeah, like, music. where are the jokes? Yeah. Yeah. Where's exactly. the arrow? <laughs> what is this? Where'd the arrow go on your head? Yeah. That's, a, that's funny. I don't see yeah. the long nose you had in Roxanne. <laughs> Anyway, the, the footage for the uh, finale show with, with Goodnight Irene is, is funny. Conan's looking incredibly uncomfortable uh, playing Jack's guitar. But uh, he does a little solo there, which is kind of fun. And then on the Boarding House Reach tour, which was the, the following follow-up solo album Jack put out, on in 2018, Jack brought John C. Riley again out on stage in Latvia, of all places. John came out for the first encore and played a Shantae's cover, uh, the song Pipeline, uh, and uh, Jack had a solo on the tune, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so that's awesome. I like seeing that. So this was made in 2007, and I like seeing that like John C. Riley and Jack White have continued to like collaborate and make music together for all the time yeah, since yeah. this movie. And actually, you know, Graham, you were saying you didn't know that John C. Riley was such a musically inclined human. So he wrote some of the songs for this movie. He wrote, you know, Walk Hard, of course. Also with, nominated with, for a Golden Globe. Wow. Really? <laughs> and a couple, and a Grammy, too. <laughs> what? Really? It was nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> no way. That's, yeah. Go, John. Yeah. He, <laughs> he wrote Walk Hard with Marshall Crenshaw, Judd Apatow, and Jake Kasdan, of course. And a lot of these songs were also produced by Michael Andrew, who wrote the one Mama, You Got to Love Your Negro Man which was one of my favorite songs because it's really catchy. <laughs> it's a very funny scene. It's uh, it's very good. Uh, he was also the composer for Donnie Darko and for Bridesmaids. Ooh. 
very, very similar film. Right? I was like, okay. Both deal with time travel. Yeah, and a lot of the songs were uh, also written by Mike Viola, who worked on That Thing You Do. My God, I love that movie. Yes, I also love that movie. That's great. I bought that soundtrack. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen to the shit. What what were your guys' favorite songs? Because I know you were like, a lot of the songs slapped, and I have some thoughts, but I want to hear what... What songs you guys liked? I loved Let's Duet. I thought that was really yeah. that was my was favorite cute. too. I was like, why is it this performed more? This is funny. I want to. Yeah, that was that was probably the best one. I think that like for me that was like. Oh, what were some of the lines? I was James. I was texting you the lines. I think last night. What was it like? Uh, uh, just so many double entendres. Yeah. I love it. Hold on. I do love it. I want to. I am gonna beat off all my demons. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's good. And Jenna Fisher really does sell it in that, you know, June Carter Cash style role. And I didn't yes. realize she could sing, unless that's not her actual voice. It's, it's someone else. It actually. is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I but she, she lip syncs very well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Big cross. Um, I did some quick Googling and I got some factual information correct. So Tom Brousseau is not an old Crow Medicine show. Willie Watson, who was on the record, was an old Crow Medicine show. I know your fans of your show are going to be <laughs> yeah, very angry get- at that. Yeah. But, We're getting um, emails right now. Yeah, I just wanted to put that Friends out getting there. Getting so many Instagram DMs. <laughs> just wanted to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it, this this got me thinking because this movie does connect to a lot of like not only like your typical rock and roll trope of like you know he starts out early and then he meets all these other people and then he goes through a dark period and then he goes through drugs. So you know it hits on those like tenements of rock and roll that it seems like everyone has to go through. Doesn't he scream out? God damn it, this is a dark fucking period. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like his wife had left him, he had gotten double married, uh, all of his kids weren't talking, you know, it was just a whole mess. Who hasn't gotten double married though? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to do that myself. <laughs> it was hysterical though. But another thing I did like is all of the musician references or actual musicians who showed up in this movie because you know they reference the big bopper buddy holly elvis of course so when dewey cox goes into his recording session he starts off with that's amore and then you get some amazing (laughs) jokes from the actor whose name i can't remember right now the guy at the console yeah the guy at the console who was in arrested development he was in arrested development he also played the new principal at Bayside High in the Peacock Saved by the Bell revival, which is excellent. And he's from... John Michael Higgins. Yes. He's, yes! He's also so a Christopher good. Guest person. Christopher yeah. Guest person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just there were so many people him. in this film. Yeah. I love that he gave him 15 more seconds to sing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually a joke, I guess, off of Elvis. So when Elvis first went in to do his first recording, he started singing like Dean Martin because that's what, I guess he wanted to sing like at the time but yes yeah, so that it, it was a lot of like spoofs and jokes off of existing yeah. rock and roll legend because you know you get that scene with the beatles in india with the maharaji and, and their the bad acid trip and all the little middle finger cartoons yeah which... the yellow submarine thing is so good <laughs> yeah that beatles scene yeah. that's clearly from a from a fan because it, it's written with love and and uh God, Jason Schwartzman plays Ringo, and Jason Schwartzman oh, is a musician. Jason Schwartzman. Too. Yeah, he's, he's he was in right. Phantom Planet. Phantom which Planet, I fucking all loved. college. He's, <laughs> oh my God, I used I mean, to be I part was, of their fan club. Uh, I mean, oh. I was a child of Rushmore. Like when, that was on oh, Comedy Central. So good. Like yep. 
multiple times a week and I just come home from school and just watch. But um, he is in a band too, which names escape, which the name escapes me. But his music is actually really fucking good. And he mm-hmm. has done duets and collaborations with Zoe Deschanel, who has the wonderful group She and Him too. So that there's a lot of actor musician crossover going on here. Well, I mean, with Jack Black too. You yes. know, he's he's with Tenacious he's D. got Tenacious D. Right. So I I like that this this movie does seem like a labor of love between art and music and comedy because I was trying, as I was like typing out some stuff, I was like, Oh, it's got a lot of SNL people. Oh, it's got a lot of Judd Apatow people. Oh, it's got a lot. It's it's like got all of these different like universes of comedy, all kind of like squishing into one thing. Yeah. Plus actual musicians like Eddie Vedder show shows up at the end. Jewel. Jewel. (laughs) Jewel. Lyle Lovett and who was the third person where they were all singing? Oh, it was oh Jackson, Jackson Brown. Brown. Yeah. Yes, Jackson who is Brown. great in concert. He's great in concert. I yeah, and he also looked great in this. Like I didn't realize he I he he's an older man, but I was like, oh yeah, Jackson Brown. He looks good. Yeah. Good for you, Jackson. <laughs> You're hanging in there. Paul just judging Jackson Brown. Yeah, I was expecting him. <laughs> Right. I said aloud to no one in particular. Hey, Jackson looks great. Right. <laughs> he looks great. He looks great. I also thought it was funny, like when he starts turning into his like Bob Dylan phase, <laughs> yeah. and he sounds he sounded so much like Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. The pastiche yep. was, the was so good. It was the lyrics of that song so funny. Yeah, I know. I know, and I, this I know is going to alienate me amongst readers and possibly James and Paul and whomever else. But I am not the world's bu- biggest Bob Dylan fan. Neither. I just, I just, he's just not for me. It is going to ingratiate you to my fiance Bob, and it is going to make my brother Justin irate. <laughs> oh, sorry, Justin. <laughs> it's okay. I doubt he listens to this. <laughs> Kitty, all the homosexuals who listen don't care, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how much like John C. Riley when he was playing Bob Dylan looked like Bob Dylan. I was even oh, more surprised yeah. how much he looked like Brian Wilson. Yeah, oh, the Brian when he Wilson was in his Brian Wilson fan. Now, can I tell I'm I'm like a big Brian Wilson fan. I'm like obsessed with the idea of Brian Wilson because I don't know how familiar I are with his life, but he went Man loves horrible. That's mostly what I know. Yeah, so he, there was a time in his life in the early 70s where he was eating three birthday cakes like a day. A day? Yeah, so he was ordering what? birthday cakes and having them Carvel, because I would understand. Like whole... Was it a Pudgy the Whale? Birthday cakes. It was and cookies. So he, he went through this acid. He, like, blew his mind out on acid, and um, he and also cake. had some actual, like, diagnosable mental problems, which were very sad. Aside from the funny aspects, like that he installed a sandbox in his living room, and he had a he had the LA's best tentist come in to install a tent in tentist? the sandbox in his living room, and so that they could sit in the in the tent and talk about groovy shit. And what wound up happening was the air air conditioning couldn't get in the mm. tent. There wasn't proper circulation. So they basically just smoked themselves out of the tent and no one went in there. And then the dogs <laughs> wound up shitting in the sandbox. And so oh, you, no. have, you have a tent no one's using and oh, a God. sandbox full of dog shit in Brian Wilson's living room while he's composing the most beautiful music and he's a beautiful, beautiful hamburger boy. And if you've never heard the uh, Beach Boys Smile Sessions. I highly recommend yeah. it. Just yeah. He's uh, a genius and lovable and uh, insane. 
I will say, when you said dentist, I heard dentist. Yeah. I, I did like, too. What kind of dentist is doing I'm, that? Because I was also like, is a, is a man who makes tents. T- I've never heard the term tentist. So I'm borrowing that from Ed Helms from The Office. Oh, who, okay. oh okay. I don't watch The Office. He had Angela's wedding. You're messing up. He hired a tentist. I watched the British one. That was enough. Okay, you're back in. <laughs> I just love the idea that there could be LA's number one tentist, right? <laughs> like, how many people do you think are vying for that role? And if like, it's are anywhere s- it's LA. Yeah, like, are some <laughs> yeah. people specifically like, no, we only do weddings, but we only do yeah. these? Like, your tents are bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> your tents are bullshit. Is the is the the tagline? Is the name of, yeah. of the company? Yeah. That's where you have to hire us. <laughs> During outdoor dining on the East Coast, tentists became a real thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a golden. Quotations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that is just yeah. Exactly. I did like how every time he got mad, he would rip out a sink and smash it. That's, yes, <laughs> and at the end there, there's the the big line of sinks at the end, and he's yes. just ripping each of them out, which is very good. It made me think, like, okay, so thinking of props for the movie. Were those actual sinks, or did they have to be made out of material that would smash even easier? Like when people like smash bottles, right? Like they don't break as easily. So for films, they're made out of slightly different material. And I was like, who had to do that? How did you get yeah, to get all the John known for being incredibly strong. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's massive. He's a, he's a large man. They got I the totally see it being real. Yes. Ah, James, you beat me. Yeah. Love it. That was yes, great. Good. I was in the it car driving me. to Sinkus. I was like, I see, I see Sinkus. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get like there. a New Jersey man. <laughs> so I know that we are starting our new theme of movies about music. And without giving away the next few that we'll be talking about, I kind of wanted to ask, like, what are some of your guys' favorite movies that are either, like, you know, mock you documentaries or that you know, kind of have music or the music industry at their center. Well, Graham, you mentioned Christopher Guest. Not only do I love, of course, Spinal Tap and, um, you know, Best in Show and stuff, but I think my favorite, even over Spinal Tap, is a movie Christopher Guest did called A Mighty Wind. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is, so uh, good. Yeah, a folk, good. a fake, a, you know, the same trappings as a usual Christopher Guest movie, but it's about folk reunion. And it's got, oh my God, uh, Eugene Levy, as as mm. Mitch of Mitch and Mickey opposite Shit's Creek and Catherine O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. amazing just the, the perfect comedy duo is so good and Jane Lynch which was who was in this movie oh, too so uh, also she is in that fun. film and uh, she was she's great in everything she does I love Jane Lynch but can I just one plug for that movie is uh, Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> in that <Yeah>. movie <laughs> wait which I'm I sorry. mean Jennifer Coolidge is Jennifer amazing. Coolidge plays like the advertising woman yeah. with Fred Willard <laughs> yes, and he's yeah. like she has the best launch like thank god for model trains because without <laughs> model trains they wouldn't have gotten ideas for the big ones <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like her humming on that line because this whole time my favorite line was Fred Willard who's like and then you tip your uh, guitar and maybe a fish falls out and you go what happened <laughs> Wait, what? What? Wagon. I say that all the time. <laughs> what is it? My will wed wagon. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> oh my God. I watch it tonight. It's so yeah. good. Shit, let's just talk about that movie. For yeah. <laughs> Scrap it's, this episode. We're yeah. starting again. That was the one that was uh, underappreciated, I feel like, too. Well, I, I mean, most Christopher Guest yes. films are, with the exception of Spinal Tap, but yeah. that's a movie like I saw when it came out and no one I knew had seen it so I couldn't yeah. talk about it with literally anybody but Paul oh. the horror but 
Um, <laughs> but it became this this like this internalized thing. Like I I felt like the movie didn't exist in a way just because no one knew anything that I was referring to except Paul. So yeah. it just You're being like gaslit by everyone around you. And it's funny because it was it was nominated for an Oscar for best song with Kiss at the End of the Rainbow yeah. with Eugene Levy and then but yeah you're right like I don't I think it's been lost almost to the comedy history of yeah. comedy Annals of Time and, and there you go which yeah, is yeah. kind it's, of ironic it's phenomenal the movie is about forgotten folk heroes and, and it's, <laughs> it, oh it very much feels like that and Jane Lynch and John Michael Higgins like yeah. worshipping colors <laughs> what is the vibration on this yeah of the screen oh my god so good I was going to mention, say we mentioned Coffee and Cigarettes, but that's that's a movie that stars a lot of musicians as well, uh, including Jim Jarmusch. Um, but uh, it's got Jizza and Rizza from Wu-Tang uh, with Bill Murray, opposite Bill Murray, in, in a yes. very, very funny scene. So th- that movie uh, in general has, has moments that make me really laugh and adore, uh, adore it. But there are also moments that are just kind of boring uh, in general. But um, the, the, I... I recommend giving that one a try if you can artsy it's very artsy what about musicals like straight up musicals if you have any that you like the most recent musicals i've seen are mostly disney films uh, that is fine yeah. that is <laughs> acceptable but but tangled is very good i like it tangled yep underrated <laughs> yeah. underrated I've never seen it. tangled is good yeah i like tangled yeah anyway the south park movie counts right oh yeah that, there's some jokes in there that haven't aged well much either Oof. but it's that's great yeah. there's south park jokes from episode like two weeks ago I, <laughs> yeah, there's well. some problematic stuff although i do i really still have a love for what trey and matt are able to do with mm. songs in narrative <laughs> and they they're very skilled at it so that yeah i would yeah it's a musical i enjoy Actually, we talk about Chicago. I really like that movie version of Chicago. Chicago is good. Oh, yeah. well done. It's really good. I just got like now I've got things to add to my list. I got to rewatch a Mighty Wind. I got to rewatch Chicago. <laughs> Apparently, I got to give the South Park movie a chance. <laughs> which well, if you didn't like love this, I watch it in the lens of it coming out in 1989, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine like if South Park hadn't ever existed? Like there is so much. Yeah. But you know, thanks to them. And like team, has anybody seen basketball? I have not, but I can't get ah. there. Can't get it out of my head. Basketball is one of my all-time favorite favorite movies. I would watch that all the time in high school. My friends loved it. Uh, Graham, your fate, whatever. Okay? I think we both. Just I know it's straight like, boys. I don't care. You, but <laughs> whatever. Sometimes I feel like it's us versus Katie, Katie and so I don't many, like that. You have so <laughs> many all-time favorite movies, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're just upset that she has multiple all-time movies. I was like, pick five. It's like me with best friends. (laughs) Katie's got so many all-time movies. I've got all the best friends. Yeah, can't help it. Yeah, when when there was like that meme going around a while of like, what are your top five movies? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I actually had a hard time with it. It's a product of its time. I really, I really do like it, but it is not a good movie. I like it a lot though, but it, I can't. I can't say I it's genius. I there is a scene where he's he comes out of the hot tub naked and they have a they have to censor like six foot for his dick and it's it's like, okay, it's like a pool noodle. Yeah, <laughs> but they had Trey and Matt have a great movie called Orgasmo, mm-hmm. which yes. is I, oh see I tried to watch that I couldn't get into it. Well maybe see, I watched that when I was a teenager and I loved it so maybe my teenager nostalgia brain is still but there's some really great moments in there like. I don't know, like Matt plays this overexcited sound engineer and he keeps comparing Trey to Getty Lee. And it, 
Anyway, um, I'm not doing that justice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the sub- also Book of Mormon and stuff. Yeah, they're capable of some great stuff. I don't, yeah. I did really like Team America World Police. When I was, was very good. living in LA, I had to work for a post house and we had to, I did like quality control. I basically had to watch the same movies over and over again. And that was one of them. And you know what? It was still funny. It was still funny every time. That puppet sexy. <laughs> that they had to edit <laughs> to avoid an NC-17. Because apparently, was there a scene, did, she, did one of them poop on one of the, like, yeah. the other? Maybe. All I remember was, yeah. I am going to fuck you with my mouth. Or, like, you are going to fuck my mouth. One of them. And I was like, yeah. I, I love it. That's hilarious. It's, it's, yes. it's so good. But at the same time, it, uh, it really hit. It hit such a level of Borat memory that it became mm. almost unwatchable to a certain extent to me. Like yeah. anytime the Kim Jong Il scenes come on, I'm just like, uh, "This is one of my dipshit friends from high school quoting this." Okay, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> the scenes. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, they God. do have they do have an Oscar nomination for Blame Canada. Like, I don't think oh, it yeah. won, but they were nominated. No, they lost to Phil Collins, and then they named a, a hill in South Park after <laughs> Phil Collins because yes, of Phil Collins. <laughs> hill, yeah. yeah. No, but there's a scene in Team America where the lead puppet is at the bar depressed, getting just shit-faced drunk and contemplating suicide. But he's his weapon is a, is a hammer. <laughs> and so I just love the idea that he's going to kill himself, but it's going to be with a hammer. It's like, I, I don't, whatever. That sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, that sounds tough. does not sound like success. But that movie, also lots of music, including mm-hmm. the opening when the actor is in a play based on Rent and the song is Everybody Has AIDS. That's <laughs> right. God. That's right. Just bring it back. Yeah, yeah, okay, I was going to say, speaking of musical movies, you texted Ashley and I a great one oh, yesterday. Yeah, I was because I was thinking about Josie and the Pussycats. Ah, so fucking good. Rosario. Mm-hmm. Peak Rosario. I think, I think if people, I think this is back a movie that, that it bombed when it came out. Like, no one saw it. Did it? it? Well, it's got such good songs, though. But oh no, yeah, yeah, it should have been nominated for an Oscar for songs, absolutely. But I think our generation were like, no, everyone like now, everyone's like, no, you need to watch this movie. It has, <laughs> oh yeah, it has predicted so much about consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's amazing. I own that soundtrack. I remember I found it on Spotify a few years ago because now that all my music is digital, I don't physically see it. And I was like, oh my god, and like I own that movie. Oh. I felt like that was one of those things where when you find something and people hadn't really been talking about it and you felt like you were in the know and then when you find other people who are into it, you're like, these are my people. Yes, you get it. I had a birthday where um, I got from three separate people copies of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what are you trying to say? They get you. (laughs) Poor Tara Reid. That was one of the last things she was good in. (laughs) Ashley, you have perfectly described exactly what Paul and I's podcast is kind of about, (laughs) uh, which is basically us trying to find people who have the same musical tastes and kind of talk to them because we're like, oh, hey, you guys get it. It's great. (laughs) Uh, The one thing I have is that there's definitely Jack White deleted scenes that we haven't seen. I I don't know where they are, uh, but I do know that like, you could see it in the trailer. Jack uh, is, has a scene in the trailer that's not in the movie where he hmm. does mention, I could cut a, a man in half, which is a fun callback to the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's yes. not in the actual movie. <laughs> yeah. We do also get an additional scene at the end where he's holding a knife to Dewey's throat. <laughs> Which I think is a perfect Elvis moment. Elvis was a psycho. 
Yeah. Damn it. I was like starting to fast forward through the credits. And, like, is there an end scene? And then I got tired. So. <laughs> Yeah, I do like at the end where he finishes his song and then there's a title card saying he died three minutes after <laughs> three his performance. <laughs> so like, oh, that's, that good. that's a good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> so wait, Graham, Ashley, would you guys watch this movie again? I think I watched clips of it on YouTube. Clips of some of those songs. Fair. Fair. YouTube clipper, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, that is the most I would do. But watching this and discussing it makes me want to go watch a bunch of other, like, mockumentary, parody, you know, type things. So I've already already started that list. And I see on ours, we also, we haven't mentioned yet, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which, yes. like, when I first saw that, I was just like, whoa. So... Yeah, this is, I'm not going to watch this specific film, but it makes me want to go watch a lot of others that I've really enjoyed. This is one of those films where, like, so I've seen the first, like, two-thirds of it about three times because it's one of my boyfriend's all-time favorite movies. Like, he will just he will just quote it to me, like this and a couple others, like, out of nowhere. He'll just, he'll just say that he's like, and you never played for drugs, not even once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like it, it, it doesn't even matter what we're doing. It, 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 that like, is it, a legit just... complaint, though, yeah. uh-huh. whether in real life or in reference to that movie. I know, you really have not to not once. Really have to do that. Yeah, but uh, so he's, he's made me watch it a few times because I had never seen it before, before I started dating him, and I would always fall asleep. I'd fall asleep like halfway through, two-thirds, th- whatever. So uh, last night was the first time I'd actually seen it start to finish the whole thing. And then the credits come, like the way Amazon loads, like the credits cut out before you get your end credit scene, so I didn't see it. But um, I'm sure I will watch this again, whether I want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> At machete um, point. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Okay, well, so I, I think I'm just gonna gonna wrap things up. Paul and James... Thank you so much for really educating us yeah. on the wonder that is Jack White. <laughs> yeah, as a librarian, I am extremely impressed by the level of research y'all did for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something Same. I aspire to and then fail every week. <laughs> but You don't fail, you just make little little baby steps. Little what about yeah. Bob baby steps. Actually, yeah. you're getting there. I'll eventually yeah. start uh, using our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> season five goal. You've been season saying five. that like every episode. We're of only two it's, so far. it's only season two. This I've, is only our twenty first episode. <laughs> we're we're like barely halfway through season two. I will get there. But uh, thank you, gentlemen. You've inspired me to do a little more research. Our pleasure for, for our podcast. Yep. What is your yeah. podcast again? Tell us the name. Yeah, Tell us how we can hear we... it. Uh, our, yeah. our podcast yeah. is the Third Men. Uh, M E N. You can find it on. Uh, well, wherever looking up our, you find I'm looking, podcasts. I'm finding our link list Oh, here. Paul's we finding have, a link list. We wrote here. down a link list because James and I have been, again, I can't emphasize this enough, doing this for five years and we can't remember our own website. <laughs> we could, we couldn't remember the Gmail forever. And it's it's just the name of our podcast. Time. So you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thirdmen. We're on Twitter at thirdmencast. And our website is thirdmenpodcast.com. And if uh, you'd like to check out the show, we're on all the different podcatchers, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, etc. Those are the only two people tend to mention, so those are the only two I'm going to mention here. But you can also find us on Instagram, the third man underscore podcast. That underscore is very important. And yeah, we talk about a lot of rock and roll, so if you're interested in that at all, so do that. And um, yeah, the other shows I'm on, Yesterday and Today podcast, Now Hear This, check those out, Lucy and Annabelle show. Good stuff. And are you weekly? Uh, what, what day of the week do y'all release your episodes? 
We're bi-weekly on Wednesdays. So there you go. Every other Wednesday. Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys yeah. so much for, for being here. And uh, Graham, I believe <gasps> you can introduce what we will be watching next week. Well, I... You know, I think next week's going to be interesting. I think we're going to have... Katie, you may have your Halloween 3 with me. <laughs> next week, we are, we are continuing with our musical theme that kind of our theme title gets it from. Let's get musical with the Olivia Newton-John musical wonder that is Xanadu. <laughs> I have actually so always excited. wanted to see this. I'm Me so too. excited. I've always wanted I'm to so see excited it. I've never seen it, it so has, I can watch it for this. It has such so, a good soundtrack. It, yeah. The soundtrack is amazing. Yellow, baby. Movie, yes, the movie itself. Well, we'll just, I, I'm excited for you to experience it. <laughs> it's going to be something. Am I going to want to buy a pair of roller skates after this? I mean, I thought, don't, don't you have some already? In Minnesota, we're really into roller yes. blades. Oh, roller blading. Okay. But Another microphone. I haven't had roller skates You might want to burn them after you see this. I don't know. <laughs> this, I, we're going to have a good time talking about it. I will tell you that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited, especially knowing, like, your love of, like, deep cut disco. I can't Ooh, wait mm-hmm. to, to watch this. So. Awesome. Well, Can we watch it, too? It. I want to watch it, too. Yes. Yes. Watch yes. yes. <laughs> Join us. You know, tag us on Instagram, tweet at us, and I'll try to remember. Graham, what's our Instagram again? Let me intro you, you pod. Okay, and then... Just say that. Twitter doesn't... Twitter is let me intro you. And if you guys actually tweet at us, it is in my list of Twitter handles, but I have like seven. So it it just goes to the extra ones. I'm like, oh, I have notifications there. I I was just, I just decided to just go full parlor and I have some interesting things. Oh, Oh, God. Thanks for coming out. He's kidding, he's kidding, he's kidding. (laughs) Jokes. All right, well, thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. 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 Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.